Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. I'm Alan Thomas, and I am joined by Anna Marquez, CEO of Neuroelectrics. How you doing, Anna? Hello, good morning. Very well, thank you. Oh, great, great. Uh, let's get right into it. Tell us about Neuroelectrics. Who are you guys and what do you do? Okay, Neuroelectrics is a company that really wants to change the way we deal with brain diseases. Uh, so we have developed a novel technology to both monitor brain activity, but also to stimulate the brain uh, for therapeutic purposes. So we really aim to help a lot of patients that uh, currently don't have uh, good treatment, and we are starting with epilepsy, but aim to help patients in other diseases as well. Okay, and and were you already in the health, in the tech space, or what's your what's in your background that made you that brought you to this position? So I think that we come to the healthcare industry from a completely different perspective. So we like to be called like a digital therapeutics company. So we are in the confluence of neuroscience, you know, IT and sensors. And I think it's a, it's a very interesting moment for new entrepreneurs and new technologies in the, in the neurotech space. Okay. And, and what would you say is the, the ultimate mission of Neuroelectric, so your ultimate goal? I think it's really to provide personalized brain therapy uh, for different uh, patient populations. And can we talk a little bit about why it's important for the therapy to be personalized versus the way it is now? 
Well, I think that, yeah, one of the things that happens right now is that, you know, the brain is very complex. Um, drugs, uh, you know, really are, are not really solving a lot of the issues we have. For example, with Alzheimer's, with epilepsy, one-third of the patients are refractory, with depression. So we do see that um, drugs are not, in all the cases, solving um, the problems with the brain. And I think that uh, one of the things that it's missing is... Um, you know, looking at the brain as a network, uh, thinking of the brain as a kind of like connected system in which, you know, I think you have to target different areas of the brain at the same time to be able to have uh, a good outcome. And and if you can measure that, um, the effect you're having in real time, you can also adjust the dosage better. So I think what it's missing, a new approach to targeting different brain networks and a feedback system that allows you to understand short term what is the effect of your therapy into the brain so that you can modify quickly and, and adjust the dosage. And this is what I mean by personalized brain therapy, right? It's a, it's a therapy that is targeted by patients and has a feedback system to allow to individualize uh, the treatment paradigm. Okay, and and let's talk about for a second how the the company was founded. I mean, it, is it has it been around for a few years, or is it recent? Or well, the company uh, was incorporated in Barcelona in 2011. Uh, we opened our office in Cambridge, um, Boston, in 2014. Um, so, and the company, you know, comes from the perception that you know. Uh, my co-founder had, he's a Dr. Ruffini, he's a physicist and mathematician. And, you know, the idea is, can you really decode the brain from a mathematical and perspective? Can you analyze the electrical signals of the brain to understand what's going on? And going beyond, can you alter those connections? Can you do something about uh, those connections? So I think that it's providing a new technology perspective into the brain, which is looking at it from the physics and mathematical point of view. And so do you, and so if, you, if you're looking at it from the physics and mathematical angle, does that mean that you would approach uh, medical schools or hospitals first? Or how, how do you begin to kind of get this new way of doing things out into the, out into the space? So the way we started is because a doctor, a neurologist, reached out to Julio uh, to help to analyze some data uh, from, you know, from a kind of machine learning perspective, like can you differentiate alcoholic versus non-alcoholic in this data set? And for the first time, Julia started to analyze data coming from the brain. This was like years ago, like in 2000. And then he started to figure, wow, there is, there is a lot to do in this area, right? In terms of, you know, how to apply new technologies into trying to read out what's going on between, you know, different brains at different stages. So I think that we always work with neurologists and with the medical community to understand how is the pathology, you know, how do they diagnose, where is the problem from a medical point of view, and then we reach out to the science and technology we know to provide the best uh, solution. And, and so doing it this way, does that mean that we would end up with faster diagnoses or, or maybe just more, or, or would it be about the same speed? Or, or I'm guessing I'm looking for the differences between how it works now in terms of for the actual person who would be getting the diagnosis. So I really think that, for example, technologies like the like the one we have developed, which is a wireless, non-invasive to use cap, one may think that going down the future, right, like 10 years, 15 years from now, it can become 
like, you know, your blood pressure sensor that you use in CVS and that is just tracking your brain health, right? So I think that, yes, um, new technologies in EEG data analysis can help uh, to have biomarkers earlier than the symptoms appear. So you may have a one day an index of brain health that it's easy to, to track over time. And, and then you can have therapies uh, that you can deploy at home, you know, to provide benefit. And then you're, you will be sending brain data constantly from home of the patient. So I think it's a new paradigm because, yes, you can diagnose uh, earlier. But second, by providing the therapy at home, you can be collecting lots of brain data in real time and in the, you know, in the homes of the patients will give you an unprecedented uh, amount of data on how are they in their disease. So each individual person could literally be walking around with their, their personal medical history around with them in the form of this data then? Well, we don't want them to be walking around. We just want them to be home. And, <laughs> and, we, and we always want a doctor to be prescribing. So we don't envision at this stage this to be a consumer device. We want this to be prescribed by a doctor. So we will limit the amount of sessions they can do at home based on um, the doctor prescription. But we will be also gathering this data at home. So yes, it's like having your brain data medical history um, in the helmet at home. Okay. And during, in the course of putting together Neuroelectrics, what are some of the challenges that, that you and your co-founder have had to go through in order to get to this point? Well, we are very passionate about technology and science and about, you know, invention and so on. But, you know, when you decide to go to the medical world, like we would have chosen to go to the consumer world and, right, or for another industry. But when you choose to have an impact, you know, in patients and the medical world, you're faced with regulation, you're faced with, you know, the FDA, you're faced with reimbursement. So, you know, for I think that for an entrepreneur, it's, it's pretty of a frustrating, you know, <laughs> career in the sense that you have to go through very slow, hard regulatory and reimbursement paths. Uh, that on the other hand, I do believe they are going to build the future of the company, but they are not as fast and as, as you would expect. And so if, if we're talking about getting wide adoption of these new methods, then it, you basically have to kind of get through all the red the years of red tape and testing and retesting and all of that to, to kind of get there? Correct. But on the other hand, I'm very proud because I really think that it's a very hard process, but really it's like a validation that your technology helps patients. So I think that if you deliver and you do a good job, um, you know, it's good because otherwise it's very hard for patients and for the general public to understand if something works or not. So going through these agencies, they just give you the, the seal of excellence and efficacy that it's very hard to find now, you know, just by Googling, you know, technologies through the Internet. And, and, so, and so we've talked about some of the challenges. What, are, what would you say are some of the main achievements that come to mind so far, some of the big wins that you feel like you've had so far? Well, we are super happy for, for different reasons. First, because this is a technology that as entrepreneurs, you know, we developed in Barcelona, you know, like years ago. And now we have an FDA trial going on at Boston Children's Hospital in Boston, which is one of the best uh, hospitals to innovate in the world, in which we are treating um, K-12 
kids with epilepsy that are refractory to medication, and we are trying to reduce their seizures by applying the technology we thought in Barcelona years ago. So when you see these patients responding, when you see the FDA on board, when you see you know, the reception of the main neurologists in the field uh, to the technology we have developed, you feel really proud because, you know, one has a feeling that they didn't exist, you know, before we put it into the hands of these neurologists in an IDE FDA trial. So I think that we are very, very happy to have taken the technology to such a serious place. And now we have like one year and a half more to go to show uh, that this works. And if it does, we will become the first FDA clear new technology, new therapy for epilepsy using transcanal current stimulation. So I think that, you know, we see the milestone pretty close compared to, you know, people doing pharma, for example. And this can mean that all these kids that are having seizures today and these drugs don't work may have a new therapy very soon, thanks to to being innovative entrepreneurs and, you know, willing to go through all the obstacles. Now, now with this, the testing that you're saying is going on in Boston right now, how, how did you come to decide to focus on epilepsy in particular? What made that stand out versus, let's say, any other conditions that you could have focused on? That's a very good question. And in fact, that's why working with a lot of neurologists and key opinion leaders helped. Uh, we did chose epilepsy because we thought that a clinical trial with epilepsy would be the easier to demonstrate to the FDA because either you stop seizures or you do not. Um, so that was one of like a kind of strategic decision. But we're also investing uh, heavily in Alzheimer's. We really think that our second program is cognitive decline Alzheimer's. And we really think that although it looks harder, we also uh, can make a difference there. So epilepsy is our first indication and second is Alzheimer's. That, that makes a lot of sense, too, in the way that you say it. You, the, the, seizures, the seizures are either happening or they aren't. And it's kind of just an on or off switch. And you can, it's easy to see. That makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah, and the other good thing is that, remember, our technology is not only stimulating, but we have an E or, you know, brain sensor embedded. And EEG is today a very valid uh, diagnostics of epilepsy, which means that when we stimulate these children, we can also record E pre and post, and we can also see the effects of the stimulation in their disease. So I think that epilepsy was a very, very beautiful indication because the EEG is a very valid tool um, for doctors in terms of seizure detection. Now, in the course of developing these tools, you know, you have a lot of ideas that get thrown around in terms of what you could do, but do you ever get developments or ideas thrown at you or people wish for certain things and you say, well, that might be too ambitious to do right now, but maybe in a later version or maybe in a couple of years or just further down the road. Anything like that ever? Well, we find it all the time. And as entrepreneurs, we are only, you know, faced with limited limited resources and focus. But for example, we had a brilliant paper published in 2014, which was one of the most quoted papers, um, which talk about brain-computer interface, brain-to-brain communication. So wouldn't it be awesome to develop a non-invasive brain-to-brain communication interface? But, you know, this is something we, we cannot pursue, right, uh, because of the lack of resources. So uh, anyway, so, so yes, we are faced all the time, and, and we just have to prioritize and say we cannot do this now. And maybe sometimes we try to get grant or non-dilutive funding to explore these ideas. Understood, understood. And... 
for the company itself, what does the roadmap look like for you guys over the next 12 to 24 months? What do we expect to see? Uh, I think one of the things we expect to see is this epilepsy trial moving forward and hopefully getting uh, FDA clear in the next 24 months. That's, that's what we see as the most uh, important milestone. The second will be, of course, advancing also in our uh, Alzheimer's program so that it also becomes, um, you know, getting to the clinical phase. And when you get to the clinical phase, how long do you think that would be? Will we be talking a few years or, or a large amount of years? I think that our clinical programs are usually between, you know, 18 and 24 months programs. So I think that the pretty compared to a drug company is that because we are very safe, non-invasive, we don't inject anything into the body, um, and, you know, you just um, don't need a very long clinical trial. So, so the- the fact that it's uh, that it's not injected, uh, do you think that's probably been a, a pretty big asset to you guys in terms of moving through the process, the approval process? Totally, and also the fact that we are dealing with pathologies in which there is not uh, a cure at the moment. For example, in Alzheimer's, there is not approved drug. In epilepsy, we are targeting patients that don't respond to medication, right? So I think that the cost-benefit ratio of the safety of the technology and the need makes it, you know, a bit easier than other technologies um, to, you know, to go through the regulatory path. And so it, for our listeners, what would be the big takeaway that you'd want people to focus on when, when listening to this interview about neuroelectrics? What's the big thing they should focus on? I think that the big thing is that in healthcare, we are going to see silos breaking, right, in terms of like, like the drug-only uh, therapy is going to be challenged. Um, by a multimodal approach in which medical devices, you know, taken home, digital therapeutics, applications are going to try to solve needs that are there in the market. And Neuroelectrics is trying to make a change in terms of uh, brain diseases and brain therapy and provide a new technology to help a lot of the patients that currently don't have a solution. So my takeaway is that, you know, it's a revolution in the healthcare business and technology and entrepreneurs can play a big role. And so what's the best way for listeners, for anyone who's interested in more information, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you and the company? So I think the best way to get in touch is well, just to, to look at us at neuroelectrics.com. They can also send an email to info at neuroelectrics.com. And, you know, happy to discuss with anybody that has ideas, partnership. I think, you know, Good partners are always welcome for Neuroelectrics. People that are aligned in our interests and can help us um, is great. Okay, well, I want to thank you, Anna, for coming on and, and sharing all this knowledge and your expertise with us. And, and thank you for your time. Oh, my welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s from the dot-com boom in the 1990s from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom 
that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first. In their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.